Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christian. Over there to my actual left, as you can not see on YouTube, unfortunately, is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, we got a lot to get into today. Uh, we got very much babbipped yesterday by the Springfield College Wi-Fi and couldn't record. So that gave us a little bit more to talk about. Uh, obviously, the big news, of course. The Phillies declined the club option on Andrew McCutcheon, which will make him a free agent. Uh, yeah, I mean, just... Uh, just a, a ground, yeah, groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. News. Biggest news out of the NL East for sure. Uh, definitely, definitely. You know, you have to worry about uh, about their chances in 2022, which is, um, you know, all we're talking about is uh, mm. is 2022. <laughs> uh, there's definitely nothing, nothing to review from the nothing more to review from the 2021 season. We have covered everything. Yeah, we got yep. it all. Mm-hmm. We got it all. Indeed. Everything that's important, at least. Yep. Um, in terms of the piece of metal, uh, the Atlanta Braves have acquired it, and they now have it. They have the piece of metal. Yep, it is their second one since moving to Atlanta. It is their fourth in franchise history? Um, Fifth? I think fourth. Yeah. Man, they've really spaced it out. It they was, did. It was 1920, 1957, 1995, and 2021. Yeah, see you guys in 2050. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Hey, Braves fans, enjoy this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> enjoy this one while you got it. Uh, I mean, I, I know at most Atlanta sports fans are, are probably like that anyway, but I, it does add to the narrative. Like, you know, Atlanta was able to uh, succeed in some form or fashion and get their World Series. Um in a uh, surprising outcome, for sure. Yeah, it was uh, it was a seven nothing game in Game Six. I mean, it was it felt like it obviously felt over in Game Five when Adam Duvall hit the grand slam, and it wasn't. But like, it felt more over now, like when Soleil hit that home run. I yeah, the way mm-hmm. like <laughs> him but that was such a backbreaker. Hit, like. The way he just knew it off the bat mm-hmm. and like pumped his chest towards towards his own dugout. I was in a after. I was in a room of people that were like, that was like not really paying attention to the game, and I just let out an audible "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah, like that ball was crushed. It was what four forty six. I don't believe that. Yeah, four forty six pulled. Yeah. So that's like a hundred feet over the fence. Yep. <laughs> that's why. That's why it seemed like it was five hundred forty six yeah. feet. I was saying like if you if you. Were to take that same like ball, put it to center. It like would have been. It still would have been like twenty feet over the fence. Yeah, probably more than that. Absolutely, um, would have been over Tal's Hill if it was still there. Yes, <laughs> R.I.P. Tal's Hill. Th- yeah. That's something I'm still not really over. How is that allowed? Uh, <laughs> the Astros just had a hill in center field. It's just it's what it was like one of those um, one of those uh like. Worst worst high school field ever. Yeah. <laughs> and it was in Minute Maid Park. <laughs> yep. 
was that hill. But I don't know. I always enjoyed it. It was good for a nice triple. It was cool when you didn't have to play there like several times a year. Yes. It's, it's cool to watch other people do. Especially, yeah, when they were in the National League and mm-hmm. the Red Sox didn't have to deal with them. Yeah. Um, for reference, we uh, we are Red Sox fans. I yeah. don't know if I don't know if everyone knew that, but um, but yeah, the we we go to Game Six here. Um, I'm thinking, you know, Astros have have made this a series, uh, and uh, bottom of the first, there is a very there's a lot of reason for hope with Houston because yeah. they coming out of the gate they are babbipping. Max Fried again. Yep. Uh, make, you know, Max Fried's getting a, a bit unlucky with uh, some of the hits that are happening as we go to the first inning here. Yeah, his uh, first batter, or was it first batter he faced? It was. Yeah, first batter he faced, Jose Altuve. He it was single through the hole. Yeah, single through the hole. It was. It had an expected batting average of 230. Then uh, a weird play at first base altogether because – Max Fried got his ankle stepped on. He seemed to be fine. I don't know how. It looked yeah. very, very painful. It looked very gruesome. And uh, it ended up with Michael Brantley on first base and Jose Altuve on second base with nobody out. Uh, and that is not something you want uh, if you're if you're Max Fried, given the Astros' offense and their noted ability to string hits together and hit with runners in scoring position. Absolutely. But uh, that's when that's when he turned it on. He eventually, in this inning, throws the fastest pitch he's thrown all year yep. at 98.4 miles per hour. Uh, he was, I mean, like, it was a Max Freed, Freed unlike we've seen, unlike I've seen. You know, I haven't seen him in, like, a regular season summer game where maybe he's pumping it <laughs> a little harder, but he was throwing it uh, crazy hard. He was able to strike out Carlos Correa, uh, get, induce a ground out to Jordan Alvarez, and then strike out... Yuli Gurriel, uh, just pumping pumping a lot of fastballs uh, in that first inning, which, you know, I feel like Freed is more of a guy who mixes it up. Yeah, I mean, Freed, like, he he ran it up. He ran up the radar gun after, I swear to God, he should have torn his ACL there, it looked like. <laughs> that made no sense, but, I mean, it was, it was a gutsy outing from him. It was just a gutsy outing. I mean, this whole postseason was just gutsy performances by the Braves. You know, we've talked about that bullpen a lot, but, like, they had some really good starts as well. Yeah, um, and I'm looking at the first inning. Uh, his first at-bat, his his at-bat his at to Altuve, he, the fastest pitch he threw was 95.4. Um, then to Brantley, it was 95.0. Then Carlos Correa, 95.8 was the fastest one. Eventually, he was able to get it up to 96.6 to Jordan Alvarez. And then the Guriel one was uh, pretty crazy. He actually, I didn't even realize, he just took three three straight fastballs in a row. Yep. 97.3, 97.0, That's the one. That's the type of stuff that's going to get you out of those uh, out of those tough innings. That's yeah. for sure. It was, and it was just all, like, the Astros had nothing to cheer for from that point forward. Exactly. Yeah. Not not much hope. Uh, as yeah, as we're looking at the at the play by play here, bottom of the second one two three inning, and then top of the third. That's when we get the Braves rally getting going. Uh, Ozzy Albies gets a single to right. Uh, Trav, Travis Darno flies out. Uh, Dansby Swanson lines out. Eddie Rosario gets a walk, 
And uh, Luis Garcia ends up in a pretty competitive at bat with uh, Jorge Soler. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like he's trying to go down in a way, as uh, we've established. That's what you should to, do. Seems to be the scouting report against yeah. Jorge Soler. And uh, eventually, on the eighth pitch of the at bat, Luis Garcia hangs one, leaves it inside, and Jorge Soler, as we mentioned, hit it. 446 feet. Yeah. That's a that's, a that's a classic gone at a, at 30 out of 30. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> expected expected batting average of 1000. Yeah. <laughs> sorry uh, sorry Hunter Renfro in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Tough tough scenario hey, there. when you hit one 440 feet and it has a 980 expected batting average, that, you know when that gets robbed 2% of the time. Hate <laughs> it every time. Uh so and yeah, that seemed as you mentioned, that seemed to be the backbreaker with Elias Freed was looking, and um, what the Astros pitching situation was too, because Garcia's out uh, immediately there. We it's kind of established that Arquiti's not going to pitch in that game. Um, Framber pitched the game before, before that, yeah. yeah. Um, so they kind of have to dig deep in their bullpen again. They didn't get the same start from Garcia that they got in either game three of the world series or game six of the CS. So um, nothing really looked good and, and uh, it just kept going Braves. Yeah, it did. Uh, It it was, I mean, what it was the Jorge Soler home run. uh, Dansby hit a home run. Freeman hit an RBI double and then Freeman hit a home run. Yep. Which is cool that Freeman gets the last two moments. Uh, Yeah, it, it is because unfortunately there's a possibility that uh, those are his last two moments. I don't think it. I, I think he resigns. Yeah, that's why I say possibility. Yeah, I like. I I don't know. I just have a hard time seeing him fitting anywhere else. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, yeah, it it's weird just picturing him in a different jersey. I've tried to see like who would get him. Yeah, like who would go for it? It, it almost feels like no one's gonna go for him out of respect for the Braves. It's like, <laughs> well, this is your guy. Like, we can't take him. <laughs> or like. Like, uh, yeah, the Padres just offer, like, we will give you five years, $45 million. Uh, yeah, you you can get the same <laughs> salary as your friend Ozzy. Yeah. Um, we're not, yeah, we're not going to mess with the Braves there, which, you know. Yeah, it, it is funny you bring that up because it just feels like he belongs on the Braves forever. He does. For sure. Um, But, yeah, he, he does get the last two moments. Freed goes six shutout innings. And uh, obviously the Braves pulled him too early. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Clearly, as uh, the rest of the bullpen also shut out the Astros. Um, Motsek, what, a, what a yeah, yeah. Go go ahead. So what a I mean I I've mentioned this so many times, but just like what a October it was for the Braves bullpen. Like that's the entirety of why they were able to win the World Series this year. I'm in my opinion. Uh. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I agree, no doubt. Like, that's that's what got them through the Dodgers series, that's mm-hmm. for sure, um, was their ability to pitch very well in high-leverage situ- uh, situations. And, uh, yeah, like Tyler Motzek specifically, he had two shutout innings in Game 6 of uh, the World Series, the clincher. He ended up with an ERA of, uh, I believe, shout-out to... Cars, yeah. Um, uh, I believe uh, it was like a one seven two ERA. Uh, was 
Tyler Matt uh, Tyler Motzek's postseason ERA. Uh, someone we didn't su- suspect to have that kind of success uh, in these playoffs, but he did. And huh. yeah, and Will Smith. Will Smith, we haven't talked about enough because I don't think he allowed a run. Like no, yeah. I I can't. I don't remember any time where he did. Yeah, I did see some stat out there. I wish I could go back and retrieve it. Um, but as we go to Will Smith, Will Smith pitcher, his postseason game logs, like he was nails every time. You you didn't you didn't have to worry. We thought we were gonna have to worry about him, but uh, it didn't end up happening. As he, uh, how many innings did he go here? He went uh, eleven shutout innings. <laughs> eleven shutout innings, eight strikeouts, three walks, uh, five hits allowed, two five three FIP. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, exactly like the. You didn't expect the Braves bullpen to be like this, and that's why a lot of people didn't expect them to to win, like, without ever having to play a winner take all game either. Mm-hmm. Like, who would have thought if if we if we said before the postseason that the Braves were going to win the World Series, it's like oh they're probably going to grind through like five game series with Milwaukee, yeah. seven with the NL West team, and then you know who knows what happens in the World Series. But uh, they yeah this was they they did this all pretty handily. Yeah, eleven and five. Mm-hmm. Eleven and five in the playoffs. Not bad. Or, or yeah, eleven and five. They didn't play the wild card game. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I guess I guess we should talk about you know certain players getting their first ring. I guess. Yeah, uh, Freddie Freeman, obviously, uh, he's been there. He's been in the organization for how long? Like two thousand seven, I think he was drafted. Um, that sounds, that sounds about right. Uh, I know he made his debut in 2010. Yes. Yes, he did. Uh, he was drafted in, yep, 2007, second round. So he's been in, he's been in the organization for 14 years. He has been. Uh, he's been on the team for 11 years. He has, uh, over 1,700 hits. He has, uh, 270 home runs. Like, he's been around for so much. He was around for some great years when he came up. Then he went through some dark years with the team, like 2014 uh, through 17 was just all bad years, um, and he had a he had a 147 OPS plus during those four years. Like he was, he yeah. was performing every day like he was on this team, and obviously 2018 they were they were early, you know they were they burst onto the scene before they were expected, made the playoffs. They've won their division every year since. They were so close to the World Series in 2020 and they got there in 2021 and they they left their mark yeah i mean messed around and won an mvp yep in the process yeah uh, he's uh he's definitely cemented his legacy as uh one of the great braves Mm -hmm. um you know I, i know if he retired today he wouldn't be necessarily a hall of famer but he's very well but he's on not a, retiring today yeah I he's, hope ver- so. he's very well on a good track and i think he's still only like 32 30 he's going into his age 32 season um yeah yeah which is you know good for him with the with the free agent market mm-hmm. um but but yeah it's that that was very that was very positive to see he's someone that no one dislikes in the baseball world no you can't not even like mets fans mm-hmm. uh they may hate uh 
the they, team, but not Freddie. They may hate facing him, but uh, they def- they definitely don't hate the the player. Or the guy. Or the guy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was a big one. Um, Dansby Swanson is a Georgia native, I y- believe. Yes, that was a storyline. And uh, one that we both loved was Ron Washington. Yeah. Uh, he's been – how long, he was co- he coached for what? He's been coaching for 30 years. I'll start before then. He started his career as a player in 1977. He played for 11 years, retired – or 10 years, retired in – 1989 and then he went into uh his first managerial job in 2007 of course he managed the rangers for eight years went to the world series twice was one strike away twice and in the time he obviously went through a drug addiction that had to take him off the field uh at at some points um that was obviously very just upsetting to see but you know he's going through it all He's a baseball lifer. He's a well-respected guy, and he got his well-earned World Series championship. Uh, yeah, it's it's something where you can't help but but feel happy for. You, you can't help but smile for the guy. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so that was good to see him uh, still playing a role on uh, successful major league baseball mm-hmm. teams. Uh, Brian Snitker. Brian Snicker, I mean, he's he's cemented a legacy. Is I mean, yeah. he we've mentioned there's there's nothing we've really disagreed with in terms of what he's done manage, uh, mm-hmm. managerially speaking. It's funny because SI wrote like this article about how he's old school and doesn't do analytics, and it's like, did you see what he did out of the bullpen during those World Series games? Did you see him pull Ian Anderson with a no hitter? Did you see him? start Dylan Lee and have him face four batters. Yeah. Look what happened. They won both of those games that I just mentioned. Gave up a combined two runs. Yeah, he, pull, he pulled Max Freed in a, with a comfortable lead uh, to get the best guys out there to, to ensure that nothing happens at all. Yeah, just because he's 66 doesn't mean he can't be anti-analytics. Or, yeah. It doesn't mean he or how do I phrase that? I said that wrong. Just because he's 66 doesn't mean he has to be this uh, like yeah this like old school gruff and tough, you know. That doesn't have to be his archetype. It's it yeah, and he's doing things. He did things a pretty modern way. Obviously, it worked. Uh, and like we we joked about him pulling. Uh, he obviously pre- pulled Freed too early. You mm-hmm. know, every everything he did worked. I mean, the bullpen did help him out. They did overperform. But I think you know he obviously put them in the in the right situations. Yeah, he he didn't like he didn't seem to overwork anybody. Uh, just kind of seemingly flawless. Yeah, if, if I'm like trying to think, that's that's the best way I can think of putting it. Like uh, there was no moments where I was like, "Really, you're doing that?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, with with the roster he had, he did he did exactly what he had to do. Yeah, I don't even think Dusty Baker did anything really particularly bad either that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, no, because yeah, you can't really complain about him bringing Arkady in Game Five because that's an elimination game. And yeah, you all you need all hands on deck. So yeah, like this is a very well managed World Series. Yeah, I think that's that's a takeaway. Yeah, it was. There was no like, oh, he left him in too early. Mm-hmm. 
there were there, there were complaints of being pulled too early, but it, it never but it, actually yeah, backfired. It never turned into a loss. Like there was never a loss turned into a win or whatever. It, it all everything worked out. Exactly. So like, that's why, that's why like covering this World Series like from a podcast perspective, it's it's not good for like media. There's not there's not too many storylines, uh, which is good for the teams, but kind of bad for like mm-hmm. the media aspect um because there weren't any there wasn't you know dave roberts uh putting you know putting in uh joe kelly for a second inning or yep. uh you know other other uh odd decisions being made no, nothing you can really nothing you can really trash uh anything anything more from this from this world series Congratulations to the Braves. Uh, they were my they were my preseason World Series pick. Yeah, good and, job. You know, it feels like I want to pat myself on the back, but I did. I had no idea it would happen anything like the way it did. Like you lose two of your three best offensive players, you lose your best overall player mid-season, and I mean, also credit to Alex Antopoulos. I mean, like executive of the year easily, and that's not just because he won the World Series. Like he. He replaced Acuna and Ozuna and even Soroka. Like yeah. He, he managed to get there without all those guys. Yeah, it was literally the like the money ball thing we joke about. Yeah. Is like, you know, you can't replace R- Ronald Acuna, but you can recreate him. <laughs> yep. That's kind of what happened. Uh, and, yeah, obviously did a great job. Everything, everything you pulled off seemed to work mm-hmm. uh, at the trade deadline. And I mean, it it just still surprising. Absolutely. Seeing uh seeing exactly how it panned out. Um. So, yeah, congratulations to the Braves. Um, parades do, today. It's cool. The par- parade is today, Friday, November fifth. Um, yeah. And yeah, I. Yeah, nothing else. Nothing else I can think of with uh, with this series. So it is. Uh, episode 162 and uh fitting enough that you know our final episode talking about 2021 baseball that just happened uh is episode 162 yeah it's obviously it's the, the end of the season yeah it is uh as there are 162 regular season games so it's our final final one you know obviously we were still going to have enough, more episodes every week uh and yeah by the way podcast is going to once a week as it usually yep. does in the off season yep. um except last year <laughs> when we had history um but we don't have uh history this off season but uh it is the last episode of, of uh you know reviewing kind of what happened in the 2021 season so we figured we'd uh talk about um some of the people we talked about before the season starting um with you know with our uh, preview episodes, we break down each division, each episode, and uh, talk about players to watch. You know, we usually pick one player or potentially two players from each team, uh, talking about like why you should watch them and why mm-hmm. they might be uh, why they might succeed kind of under the radar this upcoming season. Um, <laughs> sometimes they work, a lot of the time. They don't work because we try to we try to dig a little deeper, but um, 
we're going to talk about our uh, best hits and uh, biggest flops. Yep. So I guess you'll start off with... I'll start off with my biggest hits. With biggest hits. Uh, I, I listed... There was no parameter on how many we needed to name. Uh, I was pretty happy with, with some of my picks. So I, I did five hits. I also did three flops. Uh, my So as for my best hits, at number five... Uh, this guy did better than some of the other people on this list, but he was more of a name coming into the season, so I put him at number five. Uh, Will Smith from the Los Angeles Dodgers. I said uh, coming into the season that he was one of the best offensive catchers in the game, and he continued that this year. He slashed 258, 365, 495, 860 for a 130 weighted runs created plus. And that uh, 130 weighted runs created plus was fourth among catchers, minimum 300 plate appearances. And he had 500 plate appearances, so I could have... I could have cherry picked that a little, but I stuck with uh, stuck with a lower number to give some more people the opportunity to uh, surpass him, and only three people did. So, Will Smith coming in at number five, and coming in at number four, uh, also a guy who performed well, but not for the reasons I expected him to. Uh, similar to the Braves was Robbie Grossman mm. from the Detroit Tigers. I talked about how from 2019 to 20, his ISO had I think the biggest increase in baseball, and he. Wasn't really a slugger this year, but he took a bunch of walks. He slashed 239, 357, 415 for a 772 OPS. That was good for a 114 weighted runs created plus. And he was 12th among outfielders in OBP this year. And now uh, number three is a pitcher, the first pitcher on the list, Tyler Molle from yeah. the Cincinnati Reds. Very pleased with his performance this year. 180 innings pitched, 1050 strikeouts per nine, and a 3.75 ERA with very similar peripherals. Everything was right around the same ballpark, which was great. Coming in at number two was one guy that really made me proud this season, Scott Barlow, reliever from the Kansas City Royals, who uh, became one of the better relievers in baseball, eighth among all relievers in F4. He had 11.42 strikeouts per nine. 0.48 home runs per nine, a 2.42 ERA, a 2.63 FIP. Uh, he was established as their closer this year, and I expect big things from him coming forward. I think this is a breakout year. And number one, you know it, Chris. Yeah. I If there's one guy I would talk your ear off about this offseason, or last offseason, this season, it is potential American League Cy Young Award winner Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray had 193 and a third innings pitched, and he also missed the first couple weeks of the season with an injury, so he probably could have gotten to 200 if he was healthy the whole year. He had 11.554 strikeouts per nine, but that's not really a surprise to anyone. What was a surprise was the 2.47 walks per nine. Robbie Ray was a perennial walk machine every single year, at least three and a half walks per nine minimum uh, every single season for him, but he dropped down to 2.47 in 2021 which was remarkable and it proved to be the difference maker because you know he's been a he's been a kind of just middle of the line rotation starter and this year he's a potential Cy Young winner he had a 2.84 ERA a 3.69 FIP because he did give up a bunch of home runs but Robbie Ray uh, I'm very very pleased with his performance this season and I really hope to see how he does in the Cy Young voting yeah some some good hits there for sure um None of my hits are in uh, award talks, really. <laughs> I mean, uh, it. Yeah, this is going to be more uh, more funny for me because, <laughs> like, I, I guess I have to put hits down. But even even the hits aren't great. The flops, the flops flopped. That's for <laughs> sure. So I'll start with the hits. 
number four, number four is weird for me also because number four is Adam Duvall for me. Uh, not a bad hit. He downgraded an OPS, but he'd still led the league in RBI, and he had like over an 1100 OPS with uh, runners in scoring position. So, I'll I'll say that. Uh, number three, I got Richard Rodriguez. Um, <laughs> for the first half of the season, right? Yeah, well, like you know, let's just <laughs> hey, signal- World Series champion Richard Rodriguez. <laughs> so let's just pretend it's like 2008. <laughs> Uh, two nine four ERA, fourteen out of seventeen in save opportunities. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think I I put him down also because I kind of called what would happen with Richard. You Rodriguez. did, you did. I said like he's he's a guy with a good amount of control. He's on a bad team. I think that uh, I think that he is going to uh, you know have a decent year and he's a potential trade target for any competitors. And he was. However, he did not contribute in the postseason at all. He had a beautiful baseball savant percentile page in, like, June. <laughs> he did. He did. <laughs> it was, like, that was going to be your number one hit. Yeah, it was. And then he went to the Braves. and Actually, and then the, the crackdown happened is what I should say. Yeah, I remember specifically he was, like, he was 45th percentile in fastball velocity and 95th percentile in <laughs> fastball spin. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. That, yeah, that changed. I think everything <laughs> went down, like, at least 200 RPM uh, with, with his spin stuff. Uh, so yeah, you know, but a two nine four ERA and fourteen out of seventeen save opportunities, and uh, oh my God, look at his percentile rankings now, <laughs> they're so bad. Dang. <laughs> his ex slugging is in the fourteenth percentile. That was probably like ninety fifth percentile in but June. Again, we can we can just pretend. Yeah. It's two thousand eight, and none of this matters. Ryan Howard is one of the best players in baseball, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and yeah. Cliff Lee, great. Love him. I think he had 22 wins or something like that. Um, Number two, I got Harrison Bader. Uh, It's still not great of a a, hit. No, it's a hit. He had a career high in OPS and B-War. He was a a how about that. I think he had a career low in strikeout percentage now. Um, Very well, potentially. I'm pretty sure I covered that when I mentioned him and how about that. I have Savant, so I have Savant pulled up already, so I'll go to... I'll take yeah. a look at that. Um, if if it wasn't, it was like he had one other season with a lower like strikeout rate, but it was like he had like two hundred plate appearances. Yeah. Uh, Bader, 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 Harrison Bader. I got him pulled up, uh, but it's not loading. Not loading. Yeah. <laughs> We're so, getting babbipped once again. Oh, here we go. I got it. Uh, yeah, career low strikeout rate. Yeah, his previous career low was twenty six point one, and that was with. Only 62 batted balls. And then before that, 28.8. So he, he had a solid. And now he's at 21.2. That's a good hit. Yeah, solid decrease in strikeout rate. And uh, obviously he continued with the defense. Expect, don't look at the expected statistics. They're not important, clearly. But yeah, it, let's, it's, it's a, like this is about what happened on the field this year, not what's going to happen next year. Yeah, and uh, 14 outs above average. But also let's kind of pretend it's 2008. Uh, you know, he had, uh, I don't know what his average was, uh, you know, 267 with a gold glove defense. So that's like, he's on a hall of fame track. Yeah. Um, that's ironic by the way, for those, if people, if people think that was, uh, real. that was real. And, uh, number one, I mean, he had a great 61 games, Byron Buxton, uh, <laughs> 
I think he led all my guys in war. <laughs> and he played 61 games. But it's kind of a testament to how good he was in those games. He had 306 with a, with a 1,005 OPS. And he had 4.5 B war and 4.2 F war. And he was top 20 in the American League in F war. Uh, so he was great. And I did, if you go back to the episode, I think it's 97 or something like that. I do say like, you know, uh, Byron Buxton, he's a very good player. It's just a matter of whether he's healthy or not. Yep. And, and I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of exactly how it played out. Exhibit a, yeah, (laughs) he was on track for an MVP season in April and then he got hurt. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, so those are my hits. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's get into your flops before the uh, grand finale of my <laughs> flops. Yep. So I had three flops. Um, number three, nothing went right for this team this year, and Stefan Crichton was included. Uh, Stefan Crichton was an, a reliever for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, I was pretty excited about him, and he turned out with a 733 earned run average in 23 and a third innings pitched. I'm pretty sure he pitched. He might have pitched. Actually, he probably didn't. I was going to say maybe he pitched more in 2020, than he, but I doubt that's true. Uh, his Ks per nine dropped by 1.4, his walks per nine rose by 1.5, and his home runs per nine rose 0.9. Uh, just about everything he could have done worse, he did worse in 2021 in comparison to his 2020 and even his 2019. My second flop was Will Myers. Uh, I really was hoping for more out of him. He slashed 256, 334. 434 for a 768 OPS, good for 109 weighted runs created plus. Want to hear the craziest thing, Chris? His BABIP actually went up from 2020. Wow. And and his slugging percentage dropped 172 points despite that. That probably means he that means he struck out a lot more. Um, yeah, that that was just super weird. Um, Will Myers, you know, it's funny because we highlighted so many Padres players on Slightly Alarming. <laughs> We didn't even bother hitting Will Myers, and he was just, like, he wasn't particularly bad. He just never really caught fire. Right. He just looked like pre-2020 Will Myers. Yeah. Like, he was just, by his standards, mediocre all season. His 172-point drop in slugging from 2020 was the first fifth worst drop in the majors. And the number one flop, I knew this was going to be my number one hit or my number one flop, and it turned out to be... uh. The latter, Matt Moore. I was ready for the comeback. This is bit. This is a tough day for the 2013 Rays. Will Myers and Matt Moore, both on my on my flop list. Um, I was really hoping for the Matt Moore comeback this year, and it just didn't happen. Uh, 6.29 ERA and 73 innings pitched. Um, I mean, I guess if you think about it, like if I told you in if I told you in March that Matt Moore was gonna throw 70 innings this year, you probably would have been like, "Wait, what team is he on?" <laughs> yeah, you're like, "Is he back on the Giants?" <laughs> He's with the he was with the Phillies. Uh, his 5.76 FIP was the sixth worst among 196 pitchers with at least 70 innings pitched. Uh, Matt Moore was my number one flop. He did not uh, he did not make me look like a a literal wizard with that pick. But um, Chris, uh, you have the floor. Uh, I have eight players uh, of the 30 major league teams. And, I mean, there were plenty of others that were disappointing but didn't make the list. Uh, so my number eight, I actually didn't think he was having that bad of a year. But he, I have to include him uh, because he did get released midseason. Jose Iglesias, uh, I don't – like, he wasn't having a crazy bad year, but he got released. So he's going to be number eight. Uh, number seven, 
is Ryan Yarbrough. Uh, his ERA plus went down 38 points from 2020. And, uh, and yeah, I, I was like kind of hyping him up saying that now that Snell and Morton are gone, he kind of has to be the number two pitcher and he just never really stepped up. Uh, I mean, at least, especially in the later half of the year. Uh, so that was number seven, number six, uh, Dylan Moore. He had an 8.55 OPS last year. This year was 6.10, and this is extremely. This is especially disappointing because everyone, everyone on the Mariners seemed to overperform, except like Jared Kelnick, and Evan Dil- White, Evan White, and Dylan Moore, who uh, had a 6.10 OPS, and his OPS plus yeah. went down 67 points from 2020. My number five is Tanner Rainey. He had a 7.39 ERA and a 5.63 FIP in 31 and two-thirds innings pitched. And uh, one of the things that just really backfired on me is uh, I talked about how he cut his walk rate by more than half uh, from 2019 to 2020. Then his 2021 walks per nine matched (laughs) his 2019 walks per nine. So he went from 7.1 walks per nine to 3.1 walks per nine, back to 7.1 walks per nine. I was about to say he actually had a pretty good September, but he gave up four runs in his last two outings. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He had a 6.35 ERA with a 1.41 FIP. Uh, That's tough. That is tough. Tough tough year for Tanner Rainey. Um, So, yeah, that was disappointing. Uh, My number four, Clint Frazier. Uh, he was a slightly alarming very, very early on in the season for me. Uh, his OPS plus went down 74 points from 2020. Uh, number three, Jeff McNeil. Uh, everyone, every Mets fan was like wondering what the heck was going on with Jeff McNeil because he was, he was, he was nothing but great before this year. Uh, after hitting at least 311 every year before, uh, he hit 251 this year. And his OPS plus went down 51 points from where it was in his entire career up to this year. His uh, his career OPS plus um, before this year was, I think, like 138. And this year it was, uh, I think, 77. Damn. Or 87. I'm trying to think of my – it might have been 61 points. Maybe my uh, math was off. But the point is his OPS plus dropped off. A ton, and he, just his general offensive performance dropped off a ton. My number two is uh, Willie Castro. He went from hitting 349 to 220, and his OPS plus went down 79 points from 2020. And lastly, uh, the flop of all flops in the year 2021 is Tim LeCastro. <laughs> he had a 491 OPS this year in 55 games before getting DFA'd by the worst team in baseball. He he got DFA'd by the worst team in baseball. I think that's as big a flop as you can get. Uh, so shout out to Tim LaCastro. He wins. Yeah, he I wins mean, that award. Imagine imagine having him on your favorite team. Uh, yeah. Oh man, imagine just picking him up after he got released by the Diamondbacks. No, I mean like right now. Right now, what? He, Tim LaCastro's in the news, Chris. Uh, the Red Sox picked him up. He's <laughs> a, Tim LaCastro was a Boston Red Sox. All right. Well. Yeah. 
I wanted to break the the news. It it happened while we were recording. I wanted to break the news to you, but I was like, wait, he's gonna mention him in his flops. I didn't realize he was gonna be flop of the year, but <laughs> well, there you go. All right. Well, you know, <laughs> I hope I hope he gets back to his twenty twenty self. Um, that <laughs> that really put the exclamation point on there. <laughs> Not that I'm mad. It's not like he's wasting salary yeah, space. Yeah, he's. <laughs> I don't think Tim. We're seeing Tim Lacasher in the Red Sox opening day lineup. Yeah, and you know what? In the in the past year, Red Sox acquisitions from the Yankees have gone have gone decently. Gone um, right. At least with uh, one particular rookie. Yeah. Um. All right. So, those are our biggest hits, biggest flops for players to watch and uh awards we will get into awards is usually like we talk about awards not the episode after the world series ended but these things are coming up quick they are. i had to look it up because i was i wanted to double check and make sure it was when i thought it was and it wasn't when i thought it was it ended up being uh it ended up being uh uh that uh monday november 8th is when it starts and uh, it will end. What are they going to announce the finalists? I don't. I don't know if it's going to happen. But every Google search I have, there's it, no way they're going to announce it like a day before. No, there's no way. Like uh, that's that's so weird. It is. It's extremely weird. It is. Uh, yeah, it's extremely weird. I can't wait for for me to pick someone. They're not even a finalist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, MLB. I'm going to double check MLB awards. 2021 see if there's been an update since oh wait what what is it saying now okay i think all right let's go let's go to mlb.com they just announced ready two hours ago ready for award season here's your guide the postseason is over and that means award season has arrived uh oh my god i think okay is it next week they so, it. so it says Monday, November eighth, BBWAA awards oh, announcement. Fi- yeah, finalists. finalist announcement. I was gonna say they usually announce the finalists beforehand. Finalists awards. So we guess we did all that work for nothing. That's fine. I'm fine with just revealing them right now. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, yeah, we we did just do all the work, and we're still only we're still only 41 minutes through. So, and it's not gonna take too long. So, yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So uh, we'll start off with how they will go chronologically. Uh, America, so, and we'll talk about who, uh, who we think should win and who, think, who we think will end up winning. Um, so uh, American League Rookie of the Year. So my, I have a discrepancy, be- betw- a discrepancy between who I think will win and who I think should win. I think the winner will be Randy Arozarena. Mm-hmm. And I think my winner is Emmanuel Classe. Ah. Um, I know that it's very. I don't understand how his strikeout numbers are not seventeen per nine. Yeah. He's not even at nine, but he had a one two nine ERA. Uh, very good control for a guy who averages a hundred miles an hour on his pitches. Right. And he was just a like, he was a revolution for the Indians this year, the Cleveland Baseball Club. Obviously, the last year that they have that name. Um. And I think he's gonna be. I think he should be in the Rookie of the Year just because there wasn't any particular standout guy uh, in the American League. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good point being made. Like a one two nine ERA, 
is uh, something something pretty crazy. I know when Craig Kimbrell won it, because um, I was looking back just to compare, when Craig Kimbrell won the Rookie of the Year, he had a 2-1-0 ERA with uh, 44 saves. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, American League Rookie of the Year, I have uh, Randy Rosarena, okay. and I also believe he is going to yeah. win it. Uh, led led all American League rookies in wins above replacement. Uh, along with that, 131 OPS plus, 128 weighted runs created plus. He had a 2020 season, two outs above average, and three defensive runs saved. And rookie of the year is hard to it's it's hard to judge because there's complete different archetypes of players every single time. Like with American League, with American League, we got this standout reliever versus this kind of heart I, I don't know if you would describe heartbeat of the lineup but yeah a guy who was in the lineup consistently consistently doing his job and doing it well and accumulating like wins above replacement but he wasn't as excellent in the time he was playing so it's weird to compare so i can't like i'm not i wouldn't be upset if uh if uh we were surprised in like emmanuel class a one mm-hmm. it's just like it's weird to compare for sure and I think that continues with the next award, uh, with National League Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Um, so who do you got? I have Trevor Rogers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Uh, he was, I believe, he had the only rookie season in baseball history with 150 ERA plus, uh, 10 plus strikeouts per nine, and less than point and less than point five home runs per nine, a minimum, certain amount of innings. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was. For the time he was, he got hurt, but for the time he was here, he was really, really good. Um, and I just don't think, once again, I just don't think there was anyone else who stood out substantially more. But I think Jonathan India is probably going to win it. Win it. Yeah, I agree that uh, I think Jonathan India will win it. And uh, I agree with you that I think uh, it should be Trevor Rogers. I think it's a very, mm-hmm. very, very, very close race. Uh, I was looking at this, like, a lot, seeing, like, who would I who would I go with if I had a vote? And uh, it was tough. Um, it's really like we said. It's hard to compare them at all, given that Trevor Rogers was like in on an inning per inning basis, batter face per batter face basis, more excellent at his job than Jonathan India. But Jonathan India definitely accumulated more. Uh, just you know, being a position player who, pit, who played 150 games, which is uh, pretty uh, crazy as a rookie to do. Um, so I guess the only comparison I could make was, so Jonathan India had 396 batted balls. Uh, Trevor Rogers had 341 batted balls against of batters with 350 plus batted balls. Jonathan India's expected Woba was 35th out of 118. That's top 30%. So, and then of pitchers with 300 plus batted balls against, uh, 300 plus batted balls against Trevor Rogers ex- expected Woba against was 18th out of 128, which was top 14%. So we're looking at like a guy who maybe did a little less, but, but was top 14% versus a guy who did a little more, but was top 30%, you know, percentage wise. Uh, it's weird to look at it that way, but that's the only statistical comparison I could come up with. And uh, I don't know, like with, um, with, Trevor Rogers is two six four ERA and 
his two five five FIP. It was mm-hmm. hard to ignore, and like one hundred thirty three innings is uh, is a good amount for a rookie. So I uh, decided I would, if I had a vote, I would go with Trevor Rogers. I think it will go to Jonathan India, and I I don't think I'll be mad when it goes to Jonathan India. Yeah, that's um, how I feel. Yeah. So then, uh, American League Manager of the Year. Uh, who do you got? So for American League, um, I think Scott Service is going to win it. Uh, but I have Alex Cora. Ah. I do. The Red Sox were supposed to hover 500 this year. They got to the playoffs. Obviously, that's where the voting is. You can't consider that they went to the ALCS. But he was he's a quote-unquote first-year manager. Um, but also not really. He was first, you know, first year back with the team after everything that happened. Um, you know, he was in a division where they were like at best supposed to finish fourth. They finished second. They uh, kind of owned the Yankees for most of the year. And uh, yeah, I got Alex Cora. Um, my American League Manager of the Year is also Alex Cora. Uh, however, I do think they're going to give it to him. All even though really? I know. Okay. There might be like a gripe against him for 2017, but I don't know. I, I see that award being given to him uh, because also he did in fact make the playoffs and the like. It was a thing. It was a thing where it was just so obvious. So mm-hmm. you know, 2020, tw- you know, 2018, 2019, we see Core as the manager. We see them as not a last place team. 2020, he's not the manager. They're a last place team. 2021, he's back to being the manager they're a playoff team again yeah uh so i think it, that obvious transition is uh going to be w- weighed on by the writers and it's something that you know happened with me and um yeah i think the the resurgence was more impressive than what we had with scott service or dusty baker because he was taking over a last place team who also didn't do a, a whole lot of Big things over the off season, just kind of small things he, here and there that ended up working out. And uh, yeah, Cora utilized his players very well. Didn't have a crazy talented roster, but was able to bring them to uh, 92 wins when we thought it was going to be more like 82 wins. So yeah, that's why I think uh, he is the manager of the year. And whether he ends up winning it is a question mark, but I think he will. Uh, Daniel thinks. Uh, it will the writers are going to have it for Scott service and then uh national league manager of the year i mean i mean come on come on gabe kapler it's, it's gabe kapler yeah there's not much else to say a 107 win team they won the division over the dodgers when it was supposed to be exclusively dodgers padres um yeah I, what else do you need to say <laughs> yeah i mean when when every publication is writing articles about your coaching staff and uh how they're forming how they're resurging some players careers mm-hmm. that's that's a good sign and yeah 107 wins and they you know they almost made the playoffs last year but they were still under 500 and now they they went to being a team uh that almost had like a 667 winning percentage yeah almost won two-thirds of their games which was which is insane to do in baseball so yeah obviously Gabe Kapler going to be National League Manager of the Year, yep. and uh, he will be. He's probably he probably wins that unanimously. Um, and then American League Cy Young, Chris, 
Chris. Come on. What are we doing here? Come, come on, Chris. You think, you think I'm gonna say someone else? I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you know, like. Oh, you, he's gonna finish third because the Randy Johnson career arc. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's definitely not finishing third. Robbie Ray is winning this award. Uh, I, I think they're going to give it to him. I think some people will say that Garrett Cole deserves it, but I think like that breakout factor that Ray has, and just like the. The expectation factor for Cole, like I think that that's going to favor Robbie Ray, and I think he's going to win it. Uh, yeah, I agree that uh, he will win it, um, given that he's got the ERA title. He's got the most innings in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're going to go crazy into peripherals, and I don't. And the the reason I think he should win AL Cy Young is I don't think the peripherals with Cole tell like a crazy tell like a crazy different story than it does with uh yeah. robbie ray um yeah robbie ray leader in, in leader in innings pitched era era plus and strikeouts that's a good formula to win the cy young uh with the writers uh also it could should be uh considered here is consistency uh yep. robbie ray only had one month with an era above 3.5 uh garrett cole had three such month three such months i think he had three months with eras over four um which you know Cole was uh and the writers do love their consistency. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um and uh also with Robbie Ray, uh Robbie Ray led the American League in quality starts with 23. Uh Garrett Cole only had 18. And we mentioned Garrett Cole cuz he's really the only competitor in that standpoint. I don't yeah. even know what the finalists might be. I don't know. Like it's uh, Ray Cole and who else? I got to look at like B-War. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Speaking of B-War, by the way, uh, you know how the Cubs love their soft-throwing like pitchers? Yeah. They just claimed Wade Miley off waivers. Maybe Nathan Ivaldi? Maybe, but I, I know you're looking at F-War leaderboards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am. What, what, are you gonna let... do? what are you going to do about it, Chris? Uh, oh, Lance Lynn's probably going to be the other one. Yeah, did he? Uh, yeah. He did. He qualified. Yes. I'm going to pitching value. Um, yeah. let's take a look at the leaders here. Yeah, Ray Cole. Yeah, Lynn. Lynn had 157 innings, but I mean, like, not a lot of AL guys qualified in general. Uh, with a 2.69 ERA, 3.32 FIP, uh, 176 strikeouts. Yeah, just like a week. It's a weak race too, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it is. Like this is probably. Well, I feel like most of these races are very weak. Like rookie of the year is both, like both rookie of the years are tough. AL Cy Young is meh. NL Cy Young is good. AL MVP is just too obvious. Yeah. Right. Right. NL MVP is pretty good. Um, yeah. American League Cy Young. Like whoever wins, it's probably the worst Cy Young season since Rick Porcello's. Yep. I would say, and even at least Porcello, I think had like two hundred. 20 innings around there yeah um verlander had a couple bad months that season hence why the consistency thing yeah exactly so we both think robbie ray should and will win american league cy young uh national league cy young i am particularly fascinated with yeah i I know who you got i do i do know who i got chris why don't you go first um i'll I'll just uh, i'll just establish this by saying this is certainly this is probably the most fascinating Cy Young race uh, 
in my lifetime, I would say. Uh, I, I'm, so I, uh, I have, uh, I've determined it, I think it should be Corbin Burns. I believe the voters will go with Walker Bueller. Oh, really? I believe so. Really? So I believe five different pitchers will get first place votes. Okay. Walker Bueller, Corbin Burns, Max Scherzer, Zach Wheeler, and one guy. We'll vote for Kevin Gosman. One guy will vote for Julio Urias. Oh, for, oh, you think one guy's voting for Urias? I think one guy's <laughs> going for Urias, dude. <laughs> Believe me on that. Twenty and three with a two nine six ERA. I mean, I guess. I think one guy. <laughs> there will be Ar- one person who does it. Is going Urias. <laughs> um, I think. I think. I think Corbin Burns should win it. Obviously, a one six three FIP. That's generational. Um. I think if they don't give it to Burns, they will give it to Wheeler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, I think he has more innings, I believe. Uh, only by six. For, but Oh, uh, if they don't give it to... If they don't give it to Burns, I think they give it to Zach Wheeler. Oh, well, like, what do you mean by more innings? 40, 46 more innings? Yeah. Yeah, but I was also comparing him to Bueller. Oh, yeah. It's, I, it's only six I, more. Yeah, I was like... Yeah. I was like the math was a little off. Yeah, I thought you were no, talking Corbin about Burns. Did, yeah, Cor- Corbin Burns didn't pitch very many innings, only 167, hence why he's there is some sort of doubt. But uh, a 2-4-3 ERA, and that's with a 309 BABIP against. Um, yeah, Walker Beeler had a 247 BABIP against. Yep. Um, so which yeah, was uh, the, lowest, the lowest among qualifiers. So yeah, I believe five different pitchers are going to get first place votes i believe the winner will get less than half of the first place votes um my my top two that i considered are corbin burns and zach wheeler um i do i did love zach wheeler's innings advantage he had 46 and a third uh more innings pitched um but overall i liked burns's 39 point x woba against advantage because with this thing I can't. I can't look at ERA given the expected stats that were at play here and how different it, how different they were for different guys. Because uh, we definitely know that Bueller and Scherzer got a little lucky, and Burns definitely got unlucky. And Burns had a had an advantage in expected ERA of .77 compared to Wheeler. Because I'm I'm really only comparing a. Uh, expected stats here you know i I think it's already established like burns had a 243 era but he also had a 201 expected era so he got unlucky and uh also some more stats to support burns here so of the 87 pitchers with 350 plus batted balls against uh burns was in the top 15 percent for bad luck with expected woba and expected era difference and he was still able to win the ERA title. That's absurd. Yeah. And uh, also, a 419 BABIP against with runners in scoring position is an absolute anomaly, uh, especially for someone in the 96th percentile for average exit velocity against, and also someone that has a 50% ground ball rate. So Burns definitely got unlucky, um, and that's why, like, you know, a guy with a 201 expected ERA and was able to get... 167 innings i i just uh i had him edge out wheeler the only thing that had me with wheeler was the fact that he was able to get 46 more innings than him mm-hmm. it's just i had to give uh 
the slight advantage to Burns, but I don't think it'll matter because I don't think they're going to give it to Corbin Burns anyway. I don't think they will, but I think they should. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a weird race. I'm, I'm looking forward, looking forward to the results, no doubt. It will be interesting. Yes, I'm very excited for that. Like just the the voter breakdown. It will be. It funny. will be. I can't wait. I can't wait for one guy to actually vote for Julio Urias. I th- I think it'll happen. It probably will. <laughs> uh, so then, uh, so then, American League MVP. Uh, we 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 know. Yeah, it's Shohei Otani. Let's stop arguing for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He'll have his MVP season eventually, but this is not the year. Yeah. This is not. It's not happening. There's nothing like I don't know like what offense could you have expected from someone to take down Shohei Otani in this year's MVP race? Uh, I would like well, like name one offensive season you would vote over Shohei Otani this year, like all time. Oh well, Bonds. Like Bon, okay, Bonds oh four. Like bon- would you Bonds oh one oh two oh four? <laughs> you wouldn't vote oh three. <laughs> only yeah. only had a twelve seventy eight OPS. Well, I think he also played like a hundred twenty something games. Still qualified. So I would say Otani, but it's okay. not—it's not necessarily all about the qualifications. Yeah. Um, because you know there still can be a distinct difference, and then, yeah, some of the Ruth seasons. Yeah, I mean, basically, you have to have one of the greatest seasons of all time to not. Fred Dunlap. Yeah, Fred Dunlap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hannes Wagner's nineteen oh eight. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It is weird because I. With uh, Shohei Otani, like, he had a great season, but I would have expected, like, double-digit wins above replacement. But I guess the defense thing threw him off. Yeah, and the DH stuff. Yep. Yep. Uh, that'll do it. Uh, National League MVP, this uh, is a very close race. What would you go with? Uh, I, I'll I'll do s- – I want a little, some details on Shohei Otani. Okay, all right, all right. Because, yeah. So he led, the ma- he led Major League Baseball in combined B-War and combined F-War. He was within – 40 points of the OPS leader in the American League, and he was also able to throw 130 innings with a 3.18 ERA and a 3.52 FIP. Uh, along with that, he had one of three seasons ever with 45-plus home runs, 25-plus stolen bases, and 95-plus walks. The two other seasons were 1999 Chipper Jones and 1993 Barry Bonds. Both won MVP without throwing 130 innings with a 3.18 ERA. So that is uh, <laughs> that is Shohei Otani's 2021 season. You could argue, for, you could make a legit case for him for MVP, even if he never set foot on the mound. Yeah, yeah. He, like, he's definitely a finalist, uh, in my mind. Um, yeah, he was, he was so good. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, so National League MVP, as you mentioned, great race. Yeah. Uh, what what is your uh, breakdown of it? My breakdown is that I'm gonna feel bad for whoever doesn't win between the two main candidates. Yeah, yeah. Cause, like cause they, you like both guys. It's Bryce Harper. It's Juan Soto. Like if Harper wins, I'm gonna be like, man, Soto should have had it that year. And if Soto wins, I'm gonna be like, man, Harper should have had a second <laughs> one that year. Um, who who would you go with? Um, I think. Actually, wait. Let's. Can we say it on three? So are we saying who we think should win? Should win, yeah. Uh, okay, on one, three, two, three. three. Soto. Juan Soto. Hey. All okay. right, there we go. Some consensus there. Yeah. I I, I think uh, pessimistically, I think the voters are going to go with Harper. Because, I do too. Because the he had like an above five hundred season, even though it didn't lead to the playoffs. Yeah. 
Um, it's it's very very close. The one thing that put Soto aside for me was the defensive difference. Like I think uh, Harper's defensive metrics didn't like him, but they liked Soto. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was literally the tiebreaker. Like they like Soto had a generational on base percentage. Harper slugged really well and also walked really well. Um, yeah, this was an incredibly difficult decision, but I ended up going with Soto. Yeah, uh, some of the he was also my preseason NL MVP pick, which I mean not that not that I deserve a ton of credit. It's like I picked the best player in the National League to be the best player in the National League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, For my 2004 American League MVP prediction, I'm going with Barry Bonds. <laughs> American League. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, so. League. So uh, that would be a bold prediction. It would be a bold prediction. He will be <laughs> traded very early on, or not very early on, and still <laughs> yeah. win MVP. Um, so yeah, my breakdown of it: uh, he had the same F WAR as Bryce Harper. He also led the National League in B WAR by, uh, and he led Harper by a good amount. And I, you know, maybe I trust B WAR a little more now about after our discussion with Mark Simon about defensive runs mm-hmm. saved. Um, his weighted runs created plus was within seven points of Harper, and he also had 55 more plate appearances. So it's like it's not like a crazy difference, but it's like this is these are kind of the microscopic things you have to look at in such a tight race like this. Uh, he did have 55 more plate appearances and only trailed him in weighted runs created plus by seven. Uh, also, as you mentioned, the defense he had a s- distinct advantage in outs above average and defensive runs saved. He had like at least eight more in each category. And uh, lastly, Juan Soto hit 396 with runners in scoring position, uh, elite level. Harper was also great. He hit 330 with runners in scoring position. But as you as you can see, a 66 point difference there. So uh, yeah, I decided to go with Soto as my pick for that reason. But I do think they're going to give it to Harper because of uh, the team stuff. Also. He had the advantage in, like, home runs, OPS, uh, things of that nature. I don't think they're going to care that much that he played, like, 10 less games in a 162-game season. Yeah. Um, so that is uh, that is our breakdown of the awards that I thought were going to be this week, but I definitely misread it. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, uh, it wasn't it wasn't that long of a – of a discussion anyway. And I guess the last thing we'll get into kind of what was surprising news. Yeah, it was. Um, Buster Posey after, after a phenomenal year this year, a resurgence almost, uh, is hanging it up. He is, and he's declining a $22 million option in order to do so. So he's definitely, he's definitely had enough of baseball, I guess. Uh, if you want to phrase it like that. I mean, he's had a lot of injury troubles over the years. I mean, they had to create a rule that is named after him because of an injury that he got. That. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I you know I can't blame him. Um, Not at all. And with the with the twenty two million dollar option, I mean, he made uh, one hundred forty six million dollars <laughs> over the course of his career. I think he'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very much so. Um, yeah. They but- also like. He opted out of the 2020 season because he and his wife had just adopted twins. Um, like, it's a very, you know, obviously his personal life is in a very different spot. So, um, 
you know, stuff happens, and I think he's he said he's done everything he can do. I feel like. Ex- oh, exactly. Yeah. He's thirty four, or if he's he's he, he, he was in his yeah. age thirty four season. Yeah, he's thirty four. Um, yeah, he's done everything uh, a baseball player can do. If you go to the top of the reference page. MVP, Rookie of the Year, seven-time All-Star, three-time World Series champion, Gold Glove winner, four-time Silver Slugger, uh, and also a batting title. As you know, that's the most important thing. Um, as we know, as we've repeated on the show, uh, yeah, you've, he's done everything he can. He's a Hall of Famer, and uh, you know, if if he uh, wants to move on, like you can't blame him. <laughs> yeah. And he and he he also had like a great a great final season. Uh, you had a stat uh, on Twitter. I did. Uh, which one? Uh, oh yeah. I, I just I saw had two of them. I just saw Shoeless Joe Jackson and Hat Felch in there. <laughs> Happy <was> Felch. <laughs> um, yeah. I um. There have been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons in baseball history where a guy had an OP, 140 OPS plus or higher in their final season. And that's in AL or NL history minimum 450 plate appearances. Buster Posey was one of them. The others were Shoeless Joe Jackson, Hap Felch, uh, Mickey Mantle, Will Clark, Barry Bonds, David Ortiz. Uh, quite a list. Dang, I didn't know Mickey Mantle was uh was like that. Um, but yeah, and also five of those, only only five of those were voluntary uh, last seasons yeah. because Felch and uh, Jackson were <laughs> caught up in the. In the Black Sox scandal, <laughs> yep, in which they took money to lose the World Series, uh, so yeah, like even makes it even more impressive. And uh, yeah, he's he's another guy that was just easy to root for. Um, his his tw- his 2012 season in which he won MVP was the uh, only by a season is the only season in baseball history by a catcher uh, to produce at least 10 F WAR. Oh yeah, it's the it's the highest. Highest catcher F four in a season ever. Yep. Um, Pretty incredible. Yeah, it is. And uh, frame ha- having frame data helped out his defensive metrics. It showed mm-hmm. us how great he really was. Um, another statistic on Buster Posey from 2010 to 2017. Uh, the only person ahead of him in F four was Mike Trout. Um, so he was. Uh, in that eight-year span, according to Fangraphs, wins above replacement was the second-best player in baseball for wow. eight years. Um, worked with some very good pitching staffs as well, and uh, was an amazing offensive catcher. Like I, w- like they don't have a stat for like catcher OPS plus. Yeah, like it would be like 175 probably. Yeah, yeah. If your average catcher, if your average catcher has like. What a ninety eighty five OPS plus? I yeah, don't know. Like, that's a steal. Like, like your average catcher might have an eighty five OPS plus. Buster Posey had a one twenty nine career OPS plus, and uh, yeah, just fantastic career. Um, Doesn't B War take into account positional like stuff though? Um, not for OPS plus, only for but o- for like wins above replacement for. No? For O War, I don't think okay. overall war, but okay, because like um, well, he had a forty O War. Yeah, re- and in the le- in twelve seasons, that's pretty good. Yes, yes, uh, four yeah forty point eight O War, O War nine point eight D War, but like 
Yeah, if you if you have if your O war plus D war is more than your actual war, that means like you you played very well for your position, I guess, yep. uh, at least offensively. It's weird. It's it's very it's very semantics. Buster Posey was uh, an MVP, a Rookie of the Year, seven-time All-Star, three-time World Series champion, Gold Glove winner, four-time Silver Slugger award winner, batting title champion, caught two no-hitters, caught a perfect game, and will eventually be a Hall of Famer. One thing I just want to say, Gold Gloves only had one. Uh, gold Gloves are brought out, are like sponsored by a company that is literally made in St. Louis, Missouri. <laughs> yeah like gold don't ever look at gold gloves as an evaluator yeah definitely at not. any point in, in at any era in history especially not the 90s and early 2000s right exactly a hundred percent um yeah just look at the uh just go look at fielding bible awards yep uh with uh sports info solutions yeah um so buster posey Great career. Just looking at more stuff, like, yeah. Pretty cool that he went out with exactly fifteen hundred hits. Yeah, that is true. One, two, three, four, five, six, six seasons with MVP votes as well. Yep. Uh, yeah, just a phenomenal, phenomenal catcher. And uh, you know, g- good thing for him, he was able to spend his whole career in San Francisco, um, go out a giant, go out on his own terms. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it it did surprise us, but it's he's also you know a thirty four year old catcher. Mm-hmm. What can you what can you really expect? He's he also like he beat the uh, he needs to go to first base narratives. Like he true. was a primary catcher his whole career. That's true. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah, very true, very true. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Buster Posey and uh, and all of his accomplishments in the baseball world and uh yeah I, was there any other news i, I think we'll get into some we'll of get the, into like the contract and club option stuff later yep i think this is a good place to leave off yep yep um you know i guess for for news if anyone didn't know nick castellanos is going to be a free agent i imagine he doesn't sign in the next week no <laughs> <laughs> so we no. can we can hold off until next week he's going to take a minute to sign because there. There's going to be a whole other side of the league where a market opens up for him, hopefully in December. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, so we hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, and if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter, at Chris underscore Gianta, and follow uh, Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram, at Daniel underscore Curran, and follow the show Instagram, at Above Replacement Radio, for all the show needs. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this one, and we hope to see you on uh next thursday next thursday not monday next thursday where we are going to be talking about i guess the finalists being announced and uh and you know the happenings in major league baseball see you then this conversation this conversation is over is over